Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. I should say over the last week, Becky and I talked about what to share this morning, and um, obviously we, we knew we wanted to put Karen in place. We knew we wanted to, to pray for her and uh, share that with, with everyone that's here, and in doing that, it kind of occurred to us that, that maybe we need to speak a little bit more about the church and the organization and how we're structured. Um, and we could talk about a business structure and about roles and responsibilities and policies and procedures and oversight and accountability, but I want you to come back. So, <laughs> so that's not what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, you know, the business of, of the church is important, and, and I, I will just say that there are all those things in place um, to make sure that, that we don't get off the rails, that no one, uh, there, there's accountability for, for every position and everything. Uh, hopefully we have it all covered. We're doing our best. Um, but we have all that in place so that we can get the bills paid and keep things moving forward. And there's a lot to do on that side. It is a regular monthly thing. If you have a gift of administration, I'd like to talk to you. Okay? All right. So would I. <laughs> so, so what we really want to talk about is really more uh, of a spiritual structure that... Um, that we want to put in place here or that we have put in place. Um, and, and that is to really look after uh, the needs of the people. Uh, that's y'all. Um, from both a spiritual side, uh, an intellectual side, a, a physical needs side, um, we want to make sure that, that we have uh, the right people and voices in place that we can stay on top of that. Uh, and that's important to us. It's important to us to have a, a healthy body. Yes. Um, so in order to do that and do that well, it takes a different organization. Um, if, if you're involved in business at, at all, you're probably familiar with like the American business structure where everything goes up to some CEO or president. And it's this tiered layer. Um, and, and in a church, looking after spiritual health, that just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Um, one person cannot look after everyone. It's going to take a team of people to do that. Um, and so that, that organization has to be different, and there has to be a different mindset and in, in gifting in place in order to do that and do that well. So uh, the good news is, is that God gives us a blueprint for how to do yes. this. Um, the unfortunate thing is, is that many churches either are unaware of it or choose not to follow it. Um, and it has been studied and things have been written about it for many, many years. Uh, obviously the text is ancient, um, but it's there in the text and we'll share that with you. Um, so um, I, I, when I started this, I wrote down some goals that I think that you'll get out of it. Because um, to be honest, when, when I learned this, I had several of those moments where I went, oh, that's how that works. And you kind of have that aha moment where that light bulb goes off. And I also had those same kind of feelings about people. Um, because uh, part of what we're going to cover here is giftings and callings and equipping that the Lord does. And suddenly the way people acted made a lot more sense. Um, and I don't, I don't want to like spoil anything. But hopefully as we go through this, you'll go, 
oh, that's why I can't stand Bob, right? <laughs> that, that's why he annoys me, okay? Um, and then hopefully you'll And then we'll pray for you. Yeah, and then, uh, definitely Bob. Yeah, definitely Bob. And hopefully Bob. in your future interactions with Bob, you'll give him a little more grace because you know <laughs> that it, it's a mindset. It's just the way God has him wired to, to think and operate and move, and it's for the good of the kingdom. Now, Bob might not know that, and so he, he might, you know, have a, a, a wake of disaster behind him because he doesn't recognize what's, what's going on inside him. But we'll talk about that more in a minute. Um, but I think you'll see God's wisdom in it, and I think you'll have a couple of those aha moments. Certainly, as you meet people, um, this is the other side effect that we had, you instantly begin to analyze them. Oh, they're one of those giftings. Oh, they've got this gifting. They, they talk like this or whatever. Um, and it almost becomes second nature to where <laughs> you'll meet someone and you'll, you'll uh, have a short conversation with them. And then like Becky and I will walk away and go, yeah, there are this, you know, because we recognize the mindset that they have in them. Okay. Um, so I think you'll understand people a little bit more. Uh, you'll understand the gifting and calling and, and um, how God is moving in that in their life. Um, <laughs> You'll understand some people better and uh, why they are the way they are, and you'll learn to appreciate it. Um, you'll also understand why some churches are good at some things and terrible at other things. And again, once you see it, then you can look at them and go, okay, I understand it, and I can give them grace. It, it's, it's not, and the last piece I wrote down here is about church hurt, because when, sometimes when you don't recognize those things, and, and you're responsible for the church and the organization and you, even individual relationships and you don't recognize those things about yourself and other people, then there can be miscommunication, there can be hurt, you can feel like something happened there that was maybe malicious and it wasn't. Okay, so hopefully you'll see some of that in here and if you have been through one of those scenarios and you have been hurt by a church, a pastor, some ministry at some point, hopefully this unlocks a little bit different maybe vision into why and hopefully, uh, again, there's a little more grace that you can have towards it. Okay, so those are some pretty lofty goals for this morning. Uh, there's a lot of understanding. I don't think this will be so much as a preachy, get out of your seat, yell amen kind of thing, um, but I think you will have a couple of those light bulb moments and I'm going to look for it on your face, okay? <laughs> so this will be fun for me too. All right. Um, anything you want to add? Yeah, I, I think just going back to kind of God leading the well this direction. So it's really not about us pointing fingers at the way other churches do what they nope. do. But it really is about us figuring out what the mandate is on this house and and uh, and how we move forward in that. And so it's a lot of years. Um, and I was just thinking about myself personally. And, you know, when you think about your resume, you don't... Uh, I don't say, you know, I've been in ministry since I was 12 years old when I started teaching children's church, you know. Um, but after you've been around a while, you've experienced a few things, God can use those things to, to open 
um, to reveal things to you in better, better, uh, better ways. Like the fullness of God can become, can begin to be revealed to you, which gives you greater understanding for how He desired the church to function, and uh, and that we're just trying to follow. We're just trying to follow His leading, and this is the path that He clearly led us down. And so as we stumble through it a little bit, we appreciate you giving us grace as well. But I think it will. This will definitely help you understand how we function in the kingdom and, and how we look to then equip you for the work of the kingdom. So, Okay. Um, Nate, I have a couple scriptures. I should have given you these earlier. I'm sorry I didn't. Um, but if you can work on Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, and we'll get to that in a minute. And then there's a couple other ones that so we'll see how good you are. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, so now the question is, because we've, I have purposely avoided saying it exactly what it is. Um, and some of you have probably heard of it before. Um, but we're talking about the fivefold ministry. Um, and this is a, a kind of a man-made term for what the scripture is going to reveal in just a minute. Um, but there's a couple things that, that I want to clarify first because some of the, the terminology and, and description I feel can get a little bit confusing. Um, and the first one is, is a, I'll say, a gifting or calling. Um, we talked about this, and, and maybe role or function is a better word for it. Um, and I want to contrast that against a spiritual gift. So uh, spiritual gifts can come in a moment. If you read uh, in your um, Bible, you will often see the term, the Spirit came upon them. Um, and when you see that, it means that the Spirit came upon them, gave them insight, wisdom, direction, whatever it is, um, for that moment. And then the Spirit leaves them. i got to be careful there, too. Um, but, but in terms of imparting that wisdom, it is for a moment. The other thing that we're talking about is really more of a function or calling. It is as God renews their mind, it, it, he, he essentially imparts to them a mindset. Okay. So when we talk about these fivefold roles or functions, it really is the mindset of the person. And that'll become a little more clear uh, in a few minutes. But I, I just want to contrast that because in the text, they're both called gifts. Um, and, and I just want to draw a contrast between the very short-term gifting for the moment, that word of wisdom, um, you know, that, that direction, whatever it is that comes in a moment from the Holy Spirit versus this that is more of a long-term mindset it, it is it is the best way i can describe it is how their mind has been renewed and reshaped okay so it's it's kind of a permanent thing in their personality and that that will become a little clearer in just a minute okay um the other thing i, I wanted to point out um is that these roles that we're going to be talking about are not assignments no one had to apply for the job no one had to um you know, try out for the team or whatever. It is simply a recognition of that mindset of that rewiring that God has done to them. Okay. So, so when we talk about, um, uh, all right, I'll just throw out one. We're going to talk about a teacher. Okay. There is a mindset for a teacher and we'll talk a little bit more detail later. But when I say the teacher, understand that it's the mindset. There are people that are just wired to teach. They want to dig into the text, find the good juicy details or whatever, connect some dots that weren't connected before, and then they want to come back and share it with everyone. Okay? That's, that's a good thing. 
but that's a teacher. And, and then there's a pastor who doesn't focus so much on that, but they focus more on people. Okay? And so I, I just want to contrast these, these mindsets. Okay. Um, and there's overflow. Yes. There's, you know, overflow weaving in and out of any of those. But typically we have one thing that is stronger than, than others. Okay. So let's jump in the scripture. Nate, uh, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. How are we doing? All right. Um, the, the next one, if, if you can work ahead, I don't know if that's possible or not. He raised his eyebrows. That means no. Um, so Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, and this is out of the NLT, I think. Yep, uh, and you can read along with me there in your Bible or on the screen. It says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Okay, so there's a couple things there. One, these are gifts Christ gave to the church. So th these are things that should be in the church, Okay. And these are our God-given things. And so the different roles here, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. You'll notice there's five, and that's where the five-fold comes from. I'm not sure where the fold comes in, but there's five. <laughs> okay? All right, so let's look at Ephesians 2, verses 19 and 20. And I know it'll come up, and you can follow along there. And it says... So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. Now, I just want to throw that in there because it was, it was nearby, and that's really good news. Okay? So, so the Israelites were God's chosen people, and at some point the Gentiles got grafted in. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Okay. It says, you are members of God's family. Praise the Lord. It says, together we are his house. The family is together his house built on the foundation of the apostle and prophets and the cornerstone is christ jesus himself okay so a couple things here cornerstone uh i i talked on cornerstone uh one sunday way back when and and the cornerstone that you see in buildings today is not the same cornerstone this cornerstone was typically the largest and first stone placed in the house this stone is responsible for setting the direction on the walls it is responsible for making sure everything is plumb and vertical and everything stands. That structure depends entirely on this one stone. And that's what Jesus is supposed to be in our life. He is supposed Amen. to be that one thing that our life entirely depends upon. Amen. Okay. So he is the cornerstone. And then the together, we are his house, or we are God's family, or we are the church, and that is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophet. And so I just want you to recognize here that, that there's an order. Christ first and most importantly. And then for the church, the apostles and prophets. Okay? All right. One more scripture. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 27 and 28. And it says, all of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. Isn't that good news? Amen. The body is not complete without you. Amen. As much as you and I may not get along and I can't stand the way you do things, you are a part of the body. <laughs> and I need you to be complete in the body of Christ. Amen? All right. Do you feel the love? <laughs> 
He really uh, loves y'all more than that. Just I do. <laughs> I do. Y'all, I cry a lot more than I shout. But anyway. Except, except for Bob. Dare you know who I'm talking about. But anyway. <laughs> verse 28. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First, the apostles. Second, the prophets. Third, the teachers. And then there's some others that are in the list beyond that if you read in your text. Um, I'm not going into those other ones, but I want to focus on these five that we've already touched on. Okay? And again, the important thing here is that there's an order. And again, first the apostles, then the prophets, then the teachers. Okay? So, um, we talked about that. And that. And that. Okay. Um, so again, there's an order to these things. There is a priority given to these things. And, and so... As we look at this and establishing the church, if we're not following this order, we are out of order. Okay, does that make sense? It seems pretty clear in the text. I even went back to the Greek in this, and I don't remember why I got triggered by something, but I went back to the Greek in this, and that word first is the word proton in Greek. And that word proton means first. So there's no mistranslation here. It's first. Okay? I don't know why I got onto that, but I got onto that. And the word second was a... Uh, I don't remember. We know. Sorry. Hush your mouth. <laughs> oh, we'll know. Oh, yeah. It'll be clear. All right. So, um, all right. So another point of clarity. So, so there is an order... Um, it's God's order. It is, it is how he has prescribed the church to operate. Yes. Okay, that's very important. I want to make sure that we're grounded in that. I can't believe I just used that word. Um, you'll, that'll be more important later. Anyway, <laughs> so, um, so one other point that, that we're going to stumble across here is the word pastor. Okay, in, in the uh, American church, um, the word pastor generally means the guy that makes the decisions and makes sure that everything is done. Okay? There is a difference between that and someone who operates as a pastor. Because that, that word pastor, in, in terms of a function, describes a set of attributes or mindset and how they do things. Okay? And, and what we've done in America is, is take that name, sorry, take that name and other people with other functions and mindset are also called pastor, okay? Um, and the best analogy I could come up with was doctor. I could go to school for a few more years and, and get a doctorate degree. And, and technically, I could be doctor so-and-so. But I promise if you needed someone at the hospital and you were looking for a doctor, not the guy you want, it's okay? not the guy you want. All right? But it's the same thing. There, there is a, a, a title... Uh, and one usage of the word that means one thing, and it's the same word used differently that describes someone who knows what they're doing in an operating room, okay? All right. Um, all right. How am I doing? You're doing good. Okay. Keep going? Okay. All right. But don't talk about Bob anymore. All right. <laughs> Bob's getting mad at me. Yeah. All right. So... Um, so what are these fivefold? Let me just raise a hand. How many of y'all have heard of the fivefold before? How many of y'all? All right, good. Most of you then. Um, how many of you have ever seen it executed really well? Maybe one, maybe two. Yeah. 
How many of you would know if you saw it? Yeah, maybe. Okay. All right. <laughs> just just gauge in the room. No no harm there. Uh, you'll you'll know a little bit better when you leave than when you came in. Then okay. All right. So, so what are these fivefold functions and why are they important? That's kind of the next step I want to jump into here. And so in the research I did, I found someone who, who did one of these things um, where it's easy to remember uh, and they described each role with one word, okay? And, and I'm going to give you that first. If you want to write this down, this may help you keep them straight. All right, so the first one is apostles. Apostles govern, okay? Prophets guide. Teachers ground hence the use of my word earlier, pastors guard, and evangelists gather. Okay, one more time. Apostles govern, prophets guide, teachers ground, pastors guard, evangelists gather. Okay, so if you can't remember wor or the word, remember it starts with a G. Okay, all right. <laughs> so, um, so I'm going to start with the pastor here, and we've talked a little bit about how there can be some confusion in that name. Because of all of these roles and functions, you can have a teacher who is also a pastor of a church. Right. Okay? Uh, and, and you can have an apostle who is pastor. You can have any of these roles, and they can be pastors of a church. Okay? So I just want to make sure that we're clear that, that, that the pastor of the church doesn't mean he operates and has the mindset of a pastor in, in terms of, of what we're going to talk about here in this five-fold calling. Okay? So... What does a pastor do? The pastor guards. And what is he guarding? Garden. Guarding but the sheep. Right? The, the pastor has a flock and he guards his sheep. The, the, the pastor's desire is to create an atmosphere where everyone feels welcome. There's a, there's a family atmosphere. There's a relationship. There's connection. Um, everyone feels cared for. Um, they're going to focus on values. They're going to focus on relationships. Um, connections are going to be big with them. Um, and, and what that's going to do is let the, the flock feel secure that they have a tribe or they have a community there that they can connect with. The, the pastor is generally going to be a compassionate person. He's going to be someone that shows up in time of need. You know, your, your house burns down or you're in the hospital, your pastor's going to be by your bedside, okay? He's going to come visit you. He's, he's going to be hands-on helping you with those things. Or she. Or she. <laughs> I worked so hard when I wrote this not to do that, and then it came out of my mouth. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. Or she. So that's a pastor. A pastor's going to guard his flock and take care of his flock, Okay. Teachers are going to ground. And what are they going to ground you in but the word? And I kind of described this earlier. The teacher is going to be the one that digs into the word. What has God done? What has he shown us? Um, what does his word say? How do I take this 5,000-page book and connect everything to it? Because it's by one author. So a detail in chapter 2 has to, has to match somehow with the story throughout. Right? And the teacher is going to dig in and try to find those connections and to find those connections. And then he's going to bring it back and share it with the body and go, look what the word is saying to us. Okay? And that's what a teacher is going to do. He wants to ensure that you have a good understanding of the word. Right? God has delivered this huge love letter to us. And the teacher wants to know that we understand it and know that God's love pours through it. You're taking notes. That makes me nervous. 
You should be. All right. So one of the things that the teacher addresses that, um, that is certainly, I'll say, common in the American culture is the teacher tries to prove it. Right? The world's going to say, yeah, how do you know that that Bible's real? That's an old book. How do you know that it hasn't been manipulated over time? The teacher's going to try to prove that it's not. The teacher's going to be the one that's going to dig into archaeology and science and connect it to the word and, and is going to be excited to share all those things. Okay? He's going to be a staunch defender of that Bible. All right. They're going to be the ones that are going to love the word and they're going to profess that we need to be in the word. I've heard that so many times. We need to be in the word. It begins and ends with the word. That's the teacher. Not that it's not important. Yeah, and it's not. All of these roles individually are important. Um, And we're going to talk about that a little more. All right, the next one is evangelist. This is Bob. All right. <laughs> Evangelists gather. And what do they gather? They go out and gather the sheep. Um, evangelists have a heart for the lost. They have a heart for everyone um, outside the four walls that are lost in this world. And they have a heart to reach out to the community. Mm-hmm. They generally also have a passion and a drive to do that. They're generally very good at going out and feel comfortable talking to people who are lost, and there's something magnetic about their personality that draws people in. Um, They speak with great conviction, um, and they have that ability to attract and make new converts. Um, However, um, evangelists are unique in that when the teacher wants to have a new Bible study, And when the pastor wants to have a family dinner, the evangelist can, mindset can say, why are we doing that? Why don't we take this down to the food shelter and then, and then we can give them the dinner <laughs> and we can minister to them and call them in. And so the evangelist, <laughs> <laughs> the evangelist ends up being the Christian who is mad at Christians. Yes, yes. Right? That passion they have inside them. And thank God for that passion. Yes, amen. Because it is needed. It is desperately needed. But that passion that's within them, that drive that God has given them, can lead them to, to go so far over that it's like, you guys stay here and have dinner. I'll be outside talking to folks across the street. Okay? But that's your evangelist. Yeah. And so that's, that's Bob. And Bob can be... Bob can be at, upset at people because you want to read your Bible, okay? <laughs> All right. I'm teasing. You know he's joking oh, just I'm a little bit. I'm teasing a little bit. <laughs> it, it does happen. It does happen. Um, probably not to any great degree, but um, I, I, can imagine, um, I can imagine being in, um, being in a meeting, talking about the upcoming calendar, and the evangelist going, but... But when are we going to go talk to people? When are we going down to park to, to draw people in and it just not being on the calendar? And I can imagine the frustration that, that they would feel. Okay. All right. Uh, two more. Uh, apostles. Apostles govern. Um, 
And it's interesting when you when you begin to study apostles, one of the interesting things that comes up is the um, is the Lord's Prayer and how Jesus ended the Lord's Prayer, and he ends it uh, by saying, "On earth as it is in heaven." And that is the call to the apostle. The apostle's desire is to see heaven on earth. The apostle's desire is to stir up the spirit and to draw people into that and pull down heaven until God's presence manifests here on earth. Now, if anyone has ever been sick or in a dire situation, we always pray for God's hand to move miraculously. And if we're not ready to pull heaven down, that's where the miracles happen. And it's the apostle that says, this needs to be a priority. When God is in the room, things happen. If we're not ready for him to be here, we're not calling him into the room, what can we expect? Okay, and that's the apostle. Uh, the apostle wants to pull down heaven. The apostles tend to have a forward-looking view of God. They ask the question, where is God leading us? Okay, now I'll contrast that against a teacher who's going to dig in the word and say, what has God done? Yeah. Okay. So I just want to draw that contrast between the two. The teacher is all about looking in the word, looking in, in the language and, and what God has left us and what happened, you know, hundreds and thousands of years ago and how God has proven his faithfulness and wants to bring that up. And that's all well and good. The apostle is looking at where are we going? I know where we're at today, but where are we going? Okay. So it's a different mindset there. All right. And then the, the apostle... Uh, prioritizes worship again the calling down of heaven being in God's presence um, it says that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people right and then the apostle also has a gift to recognize the calling and gifting of others and wants to pull them up wants to pull them up into that identity and gifting that God has for them okay y'all good so far all right Last one is prophets. Prophets guide. Um, and, and prophets are probably one of the most misunderstood uh, of, of the group uh, and, and probably the least accepted um, to some level. Um, I don't want to make a blanket statement like that because it's not everywhere and it's not everyone. Um, but when God starts talking to you in, in visions and inspired word and that kind of stuff and you go to share that with someone who's not ready to receive it, you are cuckoo, okay? Um, and, and that is the unfortunate thing about um, uh, prophets is that they get this great insight. Uh, and much like the apostles, it is forward-looking. The, the prophet says, um, well, I thought I had something else written down here, but I don't see it. Um, but the, the, the prophet looks into heaven and says, what is happening in heaven and how do we pull that to earth? Heaven is always leading. As heaven moves, earth follows. Okay? And so the prophet is always looking to heaven and then looking to use whatever message they can, can receive from heaven and share that with the people. And of course, if you look in your scripture, there's a lot of warnings in there. There's a lot of, um, a lot of things that people didn't understand. A lot of your, your prophecy, even about Jesus, I think there's over 400 prophecies about Am I saying that right? I think you're on the right track. I feel like there's a different word I should be using there. But, but anyway, the, the prophets 
talked about Jesus, and there's 400 citations thereabouts in your Bible that talked about Jesus hundreds of years before he came that we've been able to now go back and retrospect and connect to the prophet who said it, okay? Generally, they're not given the whole message, right. okay? Generally, they're, they're given a direction, they're given a clue, right? And part of it may be our own shortcomings in understanding exactly what God has said, um, and that's, that's something I think that you have to develop in prayer, in time with God, um, and practice and that kind of thing. But the prophet is generally given a vision, a calling, a gift of knowledge, and that's what they're going to share with us. Can I share just really quickly, because this has been, um, if you follow the prophetic world much at all, you'll find that um, in recent days, there have been quite a few pretty popular and popular, I don't mean like celebrity status, but um, pretty well-known prophets that had made prophetic declarations that uh, they have now, um, some of them have felt humbled enough to apologize because they may have missed it in some way. And in my understanding, and I'm welcome to talk to you about it, but I think that we want to toss around the term false prophet really fast. We want to claim that someone's a false prophet because they miss it once um, and our when 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 the gift of prophecy comes upon you for a moment or whether you function in the office of a prophet you are still subject to your flesh and your experiences and um, and all what's going on in your world and so I think that we need to allow them a bit of grace and understanding that when you hear something from heaven, that we are doing our very best as human flesh and body, a spirit inside of this to convey that message in spirit and in truth. And just because they miss it does not make them a false prophet. A false prophet comes in to distort truth and to cause confusion. That is not, just because someone misses it one time doesn't mean if someone speaks a word over you, it's your responsibility then to pray that word through, to seek God on it and figure out where it lines up in your life. Um, but that doesn't mean if you feel like that wasn't right, that then you begin to call them a false prophet. So just wanted to address that. All right. And, and I don't know if y'all heard it in there, but Becky said, when we give a word, um, and, and Becky has a prophetic gift on her life, um, and we recognize that. Um, and just one example that we had was uh, a friend of hers. Um, she had a, a dream one doing? night. I'm just telling on you a little bit. Um, you're, hopefully you remember it. Uh, if I remember it, you got to remember it. Um, she had a friend. She had a dream one night. She woke up the next morning, called her friend and said, hey, are you pregnant? I had a dream last night that you were pregnant. And of course, her friend says, no. And they ended the conversation. A week later, a friend calls and goes, hey, I just want to let you know I just took a pregnancy test. And I'm pregnant. And of course, if you know anything about pregnancy tests, you have to be a couple weeks pregnant before the test will register as positive, meaning that she was pregnant when Becky called her. And she didn't know it. Becky knew it. It had been revealed to her, but, um, but her friend didn't know it. Um, and so, you know, I, I have learned um, over the years that, I don't want to say frequently, but, um, but God speaks to Becky through her dreams. Mm -hmm. um, and so when, when she has a dream and says, hey, I had this dream, 
it's one of these things where it's like, okay, well, let's, let's go grab a coffee and sit down because we need to pay attention. Um, and so I, I've learned that there is a prophetic voice in Becky. Don't raise your eyeballs at me. <laughs> that, that, and it's not always for me. It's really not. But, but I've learned to recognize it and honor that gift in her and say, okay, I want to hear about this. Um, because often she, probably more often than not, has some idea what it's about. Um, and frequently it is an individual thing about people. Um, not always, but, but frequently it is. Um, so anyway, so, so it's a little bit about, about Becky. Um, okay. I'm read his mail in just a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I gave up some of it already. Can, can I just speak then since you brought it up? It's not a debate. You just go <laughs> no, when you want. It's really interesting because, um, you know, I, uh, this, this walk is a very personal walk. And for me personally, I can look at this fivefold and know that God put a, a call of God on my life and that at different particular moments in, in my history, I functioned in different places. And, um, and, for this season, it's interesting because he's allowed me to be around more prophetic people, and those all function a little bit differently, but that also allows me then to step into the next role of where God um, has placed a demand on my life because that particular function is taken care of. Um, yes, that I still am a prophetic person, um, but... Um, but that does allow for other things. For years, I, I taught. That was where God said, you know, it's like when God told Peter to get out of the boat, you know, and Peter came out and he sank. And that was part of my message last week. But there's something else that I had someone else share that was really a revelation to me. And that's the fact that when he put Jesus back in the boat, it was almost like he said, hey, we'll try again tomorrow. You know what I mean? He didn't just throw him out and say, I have no, no need of you. You wouldn't walk on the water, you know. He didn't do that. And so I believe that as God grows us, I don't, um, I don't know that someone just pops up and they're an apostle. I think that there's a bit of a, a process that, that you have yeah. to go through yeah. and that there's a, a particular um, uh, walk that you have to walk with the Lord and that he moves you through that process as he so deems and sees fit to do that. And so... Um, so in my, my life is a prime example of that in that there were, if I look at it, there were years that I taught, um, there were years that evangelism burned in my soul and I, I wanted to figure that out. What does that look like? You know? And so, um, so all that to say is, uh, God, God takes you where you are able to be in, a, in that particular season in good. your life. It's good. And he will groom you and grow you if you allow that process to take place. And then he will move you along if so, if he so desires and has need of that um, yeah. in, in, you know, for your life and in the kingdom. And you may be an evangelist is an evangelist is an evangelist. Right, Daryl? <laughs> and I mean, since Wade's just calling people out, I just, <laughs> okay, I thought we weren't going to do that. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, uh, but, but I, you know, we can become so, we cannot allow any of that to become our identity. This is a function that I play in the kingdom of God, 
that I fulfill yeah. in the kingdom of God for the equipping of the saints, for us to equip each other and to be full. It is not my identity. My identity first is the daughter of the king Amen. and the bride That's of Christ. Good. That's my identity. And I'm rooted and grounded in that. All this other stuff comes unto me because I know who I am. Um, uh, not like a pat on the back, but you get it. You get what I'm saying? Okay. All right. So, uh, so that's the fivefold. That's the each of the different giftings there that we walk through. Um, and so, if you haven't already, you've probably already we've given a few away, <laughs> but you've probably already thought of people in your life, and it can probably think about how they act and their personality, and, and and begin to tag them as they really lead with this kind of calling, right? They really lead with this kind of mindset. And and each of these mindsets individually. It is, is not a bad thing. These are all gifts from God. These are good things. The difficulty or the challenge comes in is when they're not placed in order. And, and that is the linchpin to this whole thing is that they have to be in order for it to work properly. And so I've got a couple examples here. Um, and the first one is a great teacher. Okay. And I'll describe it this way. It's a, it's a small church and you have a great teacher. Okay. So imagine yourself there. The teacher shares great messages, revealing new insights in the Bible, and you're learning great things, and you're applying them to your life. Okay? You are growing. You've never felt so connected to the Word, and you've gained such knowledge and insight. But there's no family get-togethers, and there's no connection to the community. It's a great teacher, but he's out there only teaching. And, and so the, the problem comes in is that you can have this great teacher, but then there, there's no spirit of the pastor there. Now, any of these roles, as we, we mentioned earlier, you can, in your mind, go, we really should do more of that. But, it, but it's not the gifting and calling that is going to be inspired. It is going to be you in your in your fleshly self recognizing that there's a gap and then trying to fill that. And while you may be gifted in a couple of these areas, I I don't know. I think it's pretty rare for someone to be really well balanced and gifted in all of these areas. And, and so the the problem comes in in that if you are really driving one then you're going to have you're going to have gaps where the other ones don't don't uh, are not covered, and so like this one, the example that I, that I put here, there there really is no pastor presence and there's no evangelist presence in that first example. Okay, and so another example, I've got a great pastor. Okay, great pastor, you feel like you're growing um, because there's connection, there's community, you feel like you've got a group of people there. Sometimes they even read the Bible. Sometimes there's a scripture given in service. But you're not growing in understanding. Okay? So, so that's, and, and I know I'm taking these two extremes, but that's the other, other way you can, can, can go, right? Or another way. All of these, if, if taken to one extreme, eventually leave a gap. They all have a back door that's not covered. Okay? And it's not about keeping people and trapping people and that kind of stuff. It's about the needs of the people. Okay? And every one of us has a need to be loved and cared for. Every one of us has a need to get into the Word and grow in the Word and understanding. Every one of us has a need at some point in our lives to touch heaven. 
right? We, we all want to touch heaven. We all want that spiritual gift to, to flow through us. We all want that inspired word. We all need that touch from heaven when we have some kind of hurt or ailment. When we have a situation that, that we don't know how to get through. So it's important that we have um, all of these elements present. And if, you, and if you have any one and it's a strong one, then, then you're going to have gaps. Now, I had a couple other examples here. Um, uh, the evangelist. So let me touch on the evangelist. So, um, so if you have a strong evangelist-led church, and I've seen these, is that they are great about getting out in the community. They're great at making new converts. And here's what happens. A new convert comes in, and they're not learning, and they're not growing. And so, yeah, they've given their heart to God, but now what? Now, now we go and invite more people in. <laughs> Nothing against that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Is this intermission? Is this what? <laughs> Not sure what happened there. Um, we love our evangelists. <laughs> but uh, again, there's there's a back door there, and and so and so if the evangelist is going to go out and do the work. They've got to have a place to come in where they can be pastored, they can be loved on. And pulled where they to can, heaven. Where they can grow. Where they, down heaven. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think we've, we've done a good job there. But we, we've said it over and over again. There, there's going to be gaps. Okay? And so it, even some of you may, may look at some of these examples and, and look at some of the churches you've been in and go, yeah, I see that, that they really drove that direction, right? They were a Bible church. Okay, um, I, I think some people just embrace it. Some people go, well, we're a Bible church, and we're going to get in the Bible, read the Bible, 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 Bible. Okay, that ought to scream to you now, teacher. Okay, they're a teacher, and they're embracing it. And what's going to happen is you're going to have a lack of community, maybe, right? There could be other people there that are, that are filling that gap, right? They might bring in special speakers to talk about evangelists and apostles and prophets, right? There's things that can be done to keep that balance. And that, I guess, is really getting to the heart of what we want right. to do. Is we want to get that balance. We want to make sure that if God put that in order, that one, all those offices are present and they're in the right order. Okay? And that's that's really paramount to us. Okay. Can I just yes, ma'am, please something there? So, um, you know, uh, even looking at my own experiences, there are, even looking back further, I can... Um, look at the scenarios that we've been in and I, i've personally been under a pastor who was very um evangelistic that his heart probably was more evangelistic that was his focus that was that was the what was coming in you know and um um, and I, I've also been in a scenario where it felt like that it was very teacher oriented, that it was about the word, the word, the word. And, um, and when, there is, when there is a lack like that, it can, uh, it can cause there to be an absence of something else. So because we're so, and the word is important, right? I mean, we got to know the word. So that, there is, that is important. But when there's such a focus on the word, then there isn't on other things that we also need to be equipped for the work of the kingdom. So it's not about one being right 
are wrong. I don't want you to take that from this. I don't want you to take that from this, but just in the understanding that if you have been in that situation, then you may have, you were like, man, the spirit never moves in this place, but the word is so good. Right. But, but that leaves us uh, lacking in that area of, you know, we would like for the Holy Spirit to come in and, and we would like to encounter him in a deeper and a new way. Um, and we want to touch heaven and all of those things. So I think that as you look, and, and I don't remember where this is supposed to come in, so You're if doing I'm jumping fine. the gun, You're let fine. me know. But, but really about the church hurt thing, I want to talk about that because as Christians, we, we've probably all experienced it in one form or another. And some of us, we can experience it and we can move on. Um, God heals that. We, we can grow from it. It doesn't. Other times, it's something that we carry from this church to that church and then the next place as we kind of find where God wants us to be. And uh, <laughs> this is very interesting. Um, Y'all have never been here before. This is not a normal occurrence. (laughs) I just want to say that um, we have, I I think only on one One other occasion did the lights do anything weird. Um, So this is an extraordinary day. Uh, Yeah, we're looking for a building. Yes. (laughs) Good job. Good one. Um, so so I, I do want to touch on that because if you've been in a scenario where it's felt like the church is really heavy in one of those giftings or callings, that may have caused some hurt in you. And I know that for myself personally, it has helped me heal because I've looked back at situations and I don't blame them anymore. Right. I don't blame them because right. now I understand that that's just the way they function in the kingdom and they can't help you know they can't help that what needs to happen is if we know that we're heavy in one area that we're heavily teacher or something like that then we need to allow those other voices those other people that are called and gifted in those areas to speak into the ministry so that there isn't a gap and and we can have the fullness of what god wants for us um, as believers and so i don't anymore have to feel like there's any blame there they just didn't know how to pastor you know because that wasn't their strong gifting maybe their strong gifting was teacher and so compassion was not right there on the forefront and they didn't know how to function like that and and the best thing that we can do is understand our limitations and understand our gifting and our calling and then collect those other people that can that can speak into those parts of it so that we don't miss something is now a good time to give the example uh, I wanted to say one other okay. thing. So, in in those other churches, I guess another thing that I've that I've recognized in in looking at this is that, um, and I'll use the teacher for example. If if you have someone who's a strong teacher and they're and they're great in the word, and they, whether they recognize it or not, you have one of these other callings come in. It can be very refreshing and very exciting, and also very threatening. Because, because people have been starved for the voice of, of the prophet, for example. And a prophet comes in and everyone goes, oh, we should have them in more often, right? And now suddenly the pastor who felt very secure in his position is now threatened because he's no longer meeting needs, okay? And, and so, so some, of these, um, some of these things, if you, if you don't have humble people that can say, I recognize that there's a gap 
I need you to come do this for the flock. Then it can be very threatening when someone else suddenly starts to gain in popularity and it threatens whatever security you have in that role and that position in the church. Okay? So, so whether they recognize it or not, letting that fresh voice come in can cause a lot of insecurity for that, that pastor. Okay? So that, that might be another reason that keeps some pastors from really engaging in this and letting other people come in because that can really threaten their security they have. I mean, let's, let's be honest, right? The, the Bible talks about the people who take care of the temple should be paid through the temple through the offerings of the people that come. Okay? And, and most full-time pastors, they pay their bills from the offering in the church. And if you come to them and say, you're just not cutting anymore, we'd really like to hear more of this, that's threatening their security in life outside of the church. Nothing really scriptural, nothing really spirit-led about it, but those are just the facts. That they're, they, they are dependent on that role. And so uh, hopefully you can see that how that would threaten them. Someone else becoming more popular, somehow there being a gap there that they have to close. And so what do they do? They may react to it, but now you've got someone who's a great teacher trying to fill the shoes of a prophet that they're never gifted to fill. Okay. And I'll use Katie for example. It's like Katie going to come try and wear my shoes. Okay, They're going to be like clown shoes. They're not going to fit well. They're not going to move well. not going to function well. And that's what you may end up having. And, and the unfortunate thing is, is, is when that happens, and I think that happens an awful lot, is that they don't function well in that. And people are disappointed. People feel like there's something wrong. Um, there, there's just a lot that can go wrong there if you're trying to operate really outside of the gifting and calling that God has on your life. Okay, and that and that's true really for anybody. You know, if he if he calls you to sing, sing. If he, he hadn't called you to bake and, and cook, maybe that's not your thing. Okay, your green beans might be the last green beans that that, that sit on the table. Okay, but if he's called you to cook, cook. Don't don't come and sing. Okay. If it's not your thing, okay? All right. Where are we at? I was going to share a story. Okay, that's a good idea. Okay, so, so just to bring it to this house, we've, uh, we've been having evening services for a year. Um, we would meet in the evening on Sunday evening at, um, what time? 6 p.m. How quickly you forget. Yeah, I know. And we always had a family dinner after. It happened very organically, like we didn't even plan it. If you didn't notice, there are not a lot of restaurants around here. And so almost like just out of a need, we enjoyed being together. After service, we would just have family dinner together. And so that's something that community began to start building. And that was something that just became part of our DNA here. And so when we started talking about moving to Sunday mornings, which we were all very excited about, uh, and everybody was pretty well on board, you know, with moving to Sunday mornings, then we were like, well, what about that connection that we have with family dinner? How do we now, do we plan to do that every, every week? What does that look like? You know, because that felt like a real part of the well, that that's just a part of who we are. 
And, uh, and so just so you know that even down to those kinds of things, those are important decisions because those um, lay a foundation for who the well is and, and how people feel connected here. And so we not only want to pull down heaven and experience him through authentic worship and real relationships with Christ and people, but we want people to feel connected, right? Part of a family and community because we are all part of the family of God. And so we had a discussion, how do we, how, what does that look like? And, and then the suggestion was brought up as we talked about it, that we would ha have a family meal once a month. And that would still allow us that opportunity. Even as much as like the coffee thing, honestly, that was never really on the radar for us. Um, we are, you know, very focused on when it's service time, we like to go hard and we like to chase God and we want to encounter, we want to be smacked in the face with him, you know, if I could just be really blunt about it. And, and we want transformative God in our services. That's what we want. We don't want it to be about the coffee, right? But I do want you, when you come in from the outside, it's cold, weighed, worries, and frets over how warm you are in this building. Those, those things we think about to make sure that you are okay. And for us, it was, you know what? We want them to know that we are glad that they're here. And so we're going to put out refreshments, which have been a hit, and everybody <laughs> has thoroughly enjoyed them. So we put out the coffee before and then we're going to put it back out after service because we want you to know that we want you to stay apart we want you to connect we want community to be there and sometimes maybe if we were um, not balanced we wouldn't think about those things you know we would just be like let's come in let's have some good word and let's go let's go to the house you know whatever I don't know that was really southern sorry about that uh, <laughs> yeah y'all um, but um but those things we do think about, you know, and those are important things. Those are not decisions that we just, you know, think about. But if it were just Wade making the decision, he wouldn't, maybe he wouldn't have thought about, about that because that's not how he functions or flows. And the, you know, evangelist can look at it as an opportunity to evangelize. Ooh, people are still here. I get it as a more chance to, you know, but he don't really care how hot the coffee is or, you know, anything like that. But um, so all that to say, it, that's why it's important. Those seem like small, minor, um, little decisions, but it plays into it and in, in how our giftings are allowed to manifest or, or to produce fruit in, in the natural. So um, there were some of you that probably when the mic was popping and cracking up here, that was the biggest distraction in the world to y'all. You were like, I could not think of nothing else. Like, and then there are other of you that were like, you know, hey, I'm just glad to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just glad to be in the house of the Lord. You know what I mean? But that also has to do with gifting as well and calling. And we need both of those. We need both of those. Because if not, we'd just have a bunch of mics that pop and crack if we didn't care. You know what I mean? And, uh, and, and so, anyway, it's just so significant. We need each other. God never desired for us to function independent of each other. You know, we were just talking about this um, last night when we were kind of talking through this. And, you know, there's this uh, amazing process that took place even at the beginning of creation. When God said, let's make man in our image. 
He used that plural. It was more than one. He intended for us to work together as a body. He called us a body. Like, you know, we wouldn't look at our arm and say, I don't have need of you, right? That's not a direct quote, but you know where it's at in scripture. We don't, we need each other. We need each other. We need each other to function properly. We need each other to be healthy, to be healthy in the kingdom of God. And so that's why in all of this teaching and understanding of the of the fivefold ministry that's why it's important because we want to be healthy and whole right we want to be healthy and whole and so um, he created us in their image there you know and and so um, we're not an island he didn't intend we put way too much pressure I, I don't know what it's like in other cultures but in the western world we put way too much pressure on a pastor to fulfill all five roles um, of scripture and that's why we have burnout the way that we do in pastors and their families are falling apart right i mean we all know this the reputation that pks have I mean, it's hard. Ministry is hard on, on the family and on a pastor when we expect them to fulfill all five of those roles. It's not what God intended. And, um, and so I feel like that's a transition it point. Okay. Like <laughs> Roll with it. Okay. And so in this house, we, um, we want that sort of leadership. We want a five-fold leadership here. We solely believe that Jesus is the example of leadership. And he was a servant leader, and that's our heart to the core, is that we lead as a servant, as Jesus led. And Jesus did not lead up here. Um, he led from here. And he spoke into those disciples' lives. And he brought freedom to the sheep. And he, you know, he spoke life into them. And so it's not about setting a pastor or a person up on a pedestal here to where you all serve them. But we truly believe that for this house that God has set it up so that we, as the five-fold leadership, we call them equipping team here, um, that the equipping team is uh, designed just for that, is for the equipping of the saints for the work of the kingdom. And we function here at the bottom, and we're always pushing you forward, pushing you towards heaven, and that's what we want to see happen. We want to serve like Jesus served. We just believe that that's the revelation that God has given us through scripture, and we believe that that's how it should function. It's not, it's not about a title, and it's not about elevating someone above someone else, but just about providing you the most full experience of the kingdom of God that we can so that we can all be healthy and whole for the work of the kingdom. That's what we want. Nothing lacking, you know, nothing lacking. And so when we do sit down and we're in prayer and we're seeking God for the vision of the house and we're, we're uh, contemplating um, uh, situations that arise in the running of the church so to speak and taking care of the sheep when we go to uh, look at those situations and those circumstances and that fivefold ministry comes together to pray for you and to uh, believe for every ounce of purpose and destiny to come out of you we don't we don't have a blind spot there's not a blind spot 
that it's not just, you know, the prophet speaking into the situation, but you've got the heart of the pastor coming forth and saying, how do we take but, but how do we take care of the sheep? What is it really, what does, how do we make sure that this, that this isn't overlooked? Or when um, we're trying to make a decision and, um, and, and we're, you know, praying about it and we're seeking God on it, we don't want to have a blind spot. I've sat in many a meetings over the years where I felt like, are we getting the fullness of what God wants to say in this situation? Um, when you're planning an outreach event, why would you exclude the evangelist from that plan? You know what I mean? Like you need the voice of the evangelist and the pastor. We need to know that it's come from heaven, that it's a God idea and not just work for us to do, but we need the voice of the evangelist to speak. And how are we going to minister to the people that we encounter? And then the pastor's going to go, but what after that moment? What do we do after that moment? You know, it's not just for us, like we said about kids earlier, it's not just about the introduction. It's not just about introducing you to Christ. That's just the beginning of this amazing journey that he has us on. And he has so much more for us that he never intended for us to stop there. But he wants to see us grow and flourish in, in so many things. And so for us, we have established that. They are called the equipping team. We pray. They, I, I, um, and honestly, for Wade and I, because God did call us to do this, um, it has been um, a great um, weight lifted. Oh, yes, absolutely to know that we are surrounded by people that fulfill the parts of the fivefold ministry that we do not carry. And, uh, and we are not gonna always get it right. And honestly, because we are so different in those functionings of those fivefolds, we don't always agree on every single thing. But I understand their perspective and I can look at them and see why, you know, we've got to know the history and we got to know the Greek and the Aramaic and the, you know, and we got to know that we know and we got to watch the three documentaries and we got, you know, <laughs> and all that. <laughs> we got to know the why. Because if not, then, and honestly, if it, if we just had a, a, a church full of apostles and prophets, we'd be so high up in the sky <laughs> that there would be no uh, rooting in the word of God. We would have a, a, a deficiency. You know, I, I always think about football players. To me, they look so unequally yoked, for lack of a better term, right? They got these big old chest and, and arms, and they got these little bitty legs, you know? <laughs> and I think that's kind of how we can look sometime in the church, is that we can be really strong and big in one area, but we got these little bitty legs that can't sustain us, or we can't bend over and touch our toes because we got no flexibility, you know? We're just so rigid that, that we can't move outside. So, um, and, and so we just want to be well-balanced in the kingdom. We want to be well-balanced in the kingdom. Um, and, and that's just important. And, and you will find people, teachers, will gravitate to a teaching church Amen. because that's where they're comfortable. People that want the supernatural will gravitate to a church that, that flows in the supernatural. But what we understand is we need them all. It says it didn't leave one out. 
It said we needed, they are gifts to the church, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, and the pastor. And they are um, set in place for the equipping of the saints for the work of the kingdom. We need that voice more than just once a week, once a quarter, I mean, you know, or once a year when the prophet comes in or those, or those kinds of things. Um, and if that's what you have, then that's fine. You know, that, that's fine and, and that sort of thing. But we want the most for y'all. And we believe that this is the, this is the most. This is the most and this is the way that God wants that set up. Sorry. No, Not sorry. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, I guess I should use this. Um, so we need to wrap this up, yeah? Yeah. Okay. I think so. I cue the music. Good job. <laughs> That's um, probably Lucas back there going, get the music. <laughs> Gifting. <laughs> so, um, so kind of back to our, our goals and things, and I think we've, we've touched on those. Hopefully, um, you leave a little bit wiser and a little more insightful than you came. Um, hopefully, if you have had some of that hurt or have had a bad experience at another church, um, hopefully, maybe you, you've made a connection to understand why. Um, uh, it's it's going to happen. Um, our commitment and our, our team is that, that we're going to stay humble. We're going to lock arm in arm. Um, we're going to, you know, do our very best to recognize these giftings in each other and respect them and honor them and, and pull that out of each other um, so that, that, again, we can maintain that balance. We can follow God's order in this thing. Um, and that's just how we want to operate. Um, certainly there'll be times, uh, the last five minutes might be an example where the apostle gets up here and it's a really exciting message. Um, and then there'll be times when I talk about Greek roots of words, um, and the teacher talks. Um, and then there'll be other times where the evangelists and the pastor come up and, and you'll hear different words. Um, and you know what? They may not all resonate really strongly with you. Um, but hopefully you'll understand that that they're all needed. There, there is other parts of the body that need the teacher. There's other parts of the body that need to be touched by the apostle. There's other parts that are the evangelists that are screaming to reach out and share this good news with the world. Um, and so that, that's what, what we're hoping to do. Becky used the word balanced. Um, and, and that's maybe a great term, is that we want to be well balanced. We don't want to be so drawn into one of those five that we we have gaps we have back doors we have um, voids that, that are not being filled so it, it's our commitment as leadership uh, that this equipping team is going to be kind of the the watchman on the wall if you will for those things so um, what kind of church are you in you're you're in a church that wants to follow God's plan and wants to do everything we can to follow his plan Spirit-led, apostles and prophets first, teachers, pastors, and evangelists to follow. And that's what we want to do. And much like the children's ministry, we can't do it alone. All of you are gifted in certain ways. It says the Spirit uh, doles out those gifts as, as it feels led. Um, and so we know that every single one of you has spiritual giftings from heaven. You may not know what it is. You may not recognize it. And sometimes it takes someone else to go, you know what? I've noticed you're really good at this. 
before you have that aha moment and you go, yeah, I, I really do like that. But that's something else we want to do in the house for everyone is really call those gifts out. And so that's the kind of church that you're in. That's how we're going to govern. That's how we're going to lead. Um, and that's how we're going to move forward in the kingdom. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.